Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,398. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yacht. You'll never guess where I am today, the Goodwood Revival, with a very special guest by the name of Craig Blake Jones. Craig, welcome to Cars Yacht. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? We are ready with our launch control, Mark, and... Uh Great to have you here at Goodwood with us. Oh, man, uh, a spectacular place. And uh, so, listeners, we may get interrupted by a Spitfire flying over or a race car going by, so bear with us. But uh, this is so exciting to have you here and uh, be a part of that uh, adventure. Uh, let me give you a proper introduction. But before I do, I always like to ask my guests this little question. What's one little thing that people don't know about you, Greg? Oh, that's uh, <laughs> lots of things people don't know about me. Well, no <laughs> deep, dark secrets are needed here. I suppose one little thing, um, I left school straight from sixth form and was a truck driver. <laughs> really? No kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, this yeah. is this is interesting because you're at a point in your life, and you probably have been for a while now, that you figured out what you wanted to do. But a lot of people at that age, they really have no clue. Right. I mean, they're yeah, like, what yeah. am I going to do? And sometimes you got to go out and make your way and support yourself. So how long were you a truck driver before you started to kind of find a find a path to use a pun here? I kind of knew I just wanted to do cars. So I took a job in a warehouse and because I could drive back then, you didn't need all different licenses. So I ended up doing uh, driving a three and a half ton Ford cargo for delivery rounds. And, uh, and for me, it was great. We could get the truck loaded very i remember my driver's mate was a fairly old gentleman who was a typical you know just want to go punch the clock get in get out go home yeah at, at his own pace and i was load the truck really quickly let's get the drops done as fast as we can so i can finish by lunchtime and get back in the garage under my car <laughs> and get it ready to race <laughs> so yeah it was a, very much a means to an end you know, it's funny because when I was in high school, I did a lot of different things and I detailed cars, but I loved cars. And I did drive a, uh, a lorry, I guess you would call it, a delivery truck and delivered furniture when I was in high school. And the older guy, he was probably in his 20s that was with me, was kind of the same thing. He just saw this as his path to life. And I would just sit there yeah. and go, this is really what you want to do the <laughs> rest of your life? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, so I'd want to get out there and done. He just would want to pull off the side of the road and smoke a joint every once in a while. And yeah. And I'm like, I don't think we're supposed to be doing that while we're delivering furniture to people. Uh, but uh, yeah, some people have a different path. Well, this will be fun. We're going to learn a lot about what you're doing today, which is quite exciting. And that's what brought us together. Let me give you an introduction here. Craig Blake Jones is the founder and CEO of Paddock Life Magazine and Paddock Speed Shop TV show. A born petrol head whose career started in fashion, turned a corner into music, which in turn landed into film and television. He worked with some of the biggest bands, record companies, brands, and films throughout his career. Craig created Paddock Life Magazine in 2014 as a lifestyle journal 
and into the wonderful world of racing, classic cars, and all things automotive. Designed to be a cool coffee table collectible, Paddock Life is 180 pages of gloriously printed and presented petrol hedonism. In 2020, working with his two sons, Ethan and Harvey, they brought petrol head Lucy Busby on board and built the Paddock Speed Shop to create a TV series restoration show that appeals to a younger audience. They are using the Speed Shop to bring a new generation of petrol heads into our established brand. I love this aspect of what you're doing. Let's take a short break for our sponsors and fill up the tanks here since we're at Goodwood, and we'll be right back. Buckle up. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah is one of their top 10 car podcasts. For you to enjoy. Cars Yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars Yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Craig, what a cool thing that you've been doing. You know, magazines are one of these things that kind of started to die off. And then you started seeing these wonderful magazines come back. Got a bunch on my desk here right now, like Linkage and Magneto and Triple Zero, the Porsche publication. Crankshaft and Rare and Unique Vehicles are all fantastic publications. Paddock Life magazine is is very much in that vein. So could we talk a little bit about about why in 2014 you said, you know, I'm going to be a publisher. And then I want to get into this TV show because this is just about to go live. So let's start with Paddock Life magazine. What inspired you to do this? 
Well, it, it's funny. Like all great ideas, it started in a pub on a Wednesday night <laughs> on my way home. I, lo- I love you, Brits. I love you, Brits. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was uh, it was Monaco week, and uh, my business partner lived halfway between London and my house, so we would quite often stop on an evening and have a bit of lunch, and then he'd go home and I'd carry on back to my house. And a mutual friend of ours was a photographer and partner in a Formula One business magazine. And being Monaco week, I said, oh, you know, come on, John, you've got a magazine. Surely, you you know, why aren't you at Monaco? What's it? So, you know, after a couple of drinks and a, and a bit of coercing, we decided we were going to do Monaco Grand Prix. So I phoned a few friends. I just literally sold my Audi R8 probably a month previous so I phoned around a few people and said, guys, I'm going to Monaco. Who's got a car? And I ended up borrowing a Porsche Panamera diesel. Okay. And, the, and there was a reason for that because the guy that I called said, I've got a Bentley Supersport, a Mercedes SL, um, or whatever it was, and this Porsche Panamera diesel. And I thought, well, I'm not the biggest Porsche fan in the world, and I don't really like diesel cars. So if I'm going to write a piece for John's magazine – it's going to be a lot more interesting if I'm in a car that I'm kind of hardwired not to enjoy. Okay. And, and then the other side of me thought, I'm going to end up paying for all this. The fuel's going to be a lot cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I understand. So, so off we trundled down to Monaco, had the most amazing, completely off-the-cuff, blagged weekend of super yachts, parties, and everything. In this Panamera, which I found... An amazing guy. He got two 50-year-olds cruising down the south of France in the middle of the night, straight down uh, in the pouring rain in this Porsche. And I just thought, what a lovely place to be. And then when I arrived in um, Monaco, we, uh, we were, I was going to stay with a friend of mine who's got a villa just outside, and he'd got loads of people hanging out there still from the film festival that was a week before. And I thought, ah, I'm too old for sofa surfing. So... We went and checked into the Lenegresco Hotel in Nice, which is spectacular in its own right. And off we went on this Monaco adventure. And I was really surprised how much attention this ugly Porsche actually got for a four-seater practical supercar. Sure. Um, which then made, so I just got back. John took those the photos. I wrote it up as a, this is our Monaco adventure. And we put it in this magazine. Everybody liked it. Um, a few, you know, a couple of months later, I found myself right here where I am now, only at Goodwood Revival, uh, where Maserati invited me to take one of their cars from the factory to the Italian Grand Prix. Whoa. And I thought, oh, this is cool. I like this magazine. <laughs> so I was doing those pieces for the magazine. This was back 2013, including coming here in what was then the brand new Range Rover, the generation that's just been superseded. Um, and, uh, and it just that this is great, but I wasn't really seeing the magazine where I imagined it would be. So about a year later, we, I turned around to John. I was in, um, I was actually in uh, Monza with the Formula One again, and thinking, well, hang on, I'm a guest here at Ferrari, and between races, there's nothing to do. What this is where the magazine should be. You know, I should be sitting reading this beautiful magazine now that I want to sneak in my bag and take home. Right. So that's when the idea for Paddock Life was born. And there were a couple of other magazines around at the time with similar name. 
So I just wanted to give them both a massive middle finger and stole a bit of each of them's name and created <laughs> our magazine uh, you know, just to be bigger and better. And, uh, and, and here we are, we're on, you know, we're 10 years down the road almost. And, um, and we're, you know, in our 22nd edition, we learned a lot. I'd never been in publishing, but you know, it was great to have, you know, to be able to sit and design our first issue was 40 pages and we launched that at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in, in the Yas Marina, um, and everyone loved it. The second issue was up to about 80 pages. And then, uh, you know, by, by 2000, yeah, by 2015, we switched to the, what, the format we're at now of, you know, 180 glorious pages. And, you know, I just thought, it, 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 and, and imagine it's 10 years almost. Social media was there but it wasn't as huge in our lives as it is now. Right. So it was just as magazines were starting to go digital. And I just thought, you know what, and, 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 and social networks and things like this. And I thought, well, my idea of a social network is going to the pub and seeing my friends or going out for dinner. You know, I didn't at the time, you know, I don't do LinkedIn. I'm linked out. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't do Facebook other than what copies from our, instagram page which i kind of have to do but i find it a real chore i'm not good at it you know i like fantastically taken pictures carefully edited and when i mean edited i mean selected and slightly corrected not made into something they weren't and and the room to put them in print where you can really see the colors and open a book and smell it and you know and i thought this is what i want the magazine to be i want it to be in hotel rooms and seatbacks of jets and and in the hospitality of areas and people want to steal it and take it home and that was our that was our distribution point for many many years and and it worked and we were giving our advertisers a very unique platform because the people that read our magazines were the right people they were the people that said when can i get it the last question was how much is it you know yeah and that took us on this crazy adventure of doing you know like i did the uh the the 40th anniversary lancia stratus rally with um with my dear departed friend mr mark ketchum sadly never made it out to his uh his wine country place in, in, in california but uh, you know just met some brilliant people along the way driven some amazing cars done some great stories took some great photos and and sort of accidentally become a journalist, so, which for someone that's dyslexic and just about scraped through their English O level, it's uh, it's, it's quite uh, quite an achievement. But well, it's all kind of nice about design and and putting beautiful things on paper. Well, it's a wonderful story. I love it. I mean, love I love every aspect of it. And you were a bit of ahead of the curve, ahead of the trend, I should say. Um, and especially since we're at a racetrack today, uh, definitely ahead of the curve and doing the right, hitting all the right apexes because now we see a lot of the old school publications gone. I used to get 40 plus magazine subscriptions a month. I mean, I had this giant stack next to my bed and my wife would always come in and go, oh my gosh, here we go. Uh, you know, more magazines. And now I'm down to just a few of these type of publications like yours that maybe go a little more in depth or maybe they're just skimming across the top, but they're very beautifully done. And I'm very, well, I come from a design background, so I like things that look beautiful. I like to hold something in my hands. I've never gotten into this reading online stuff. It just, it doesn't feel real to me. And 
I, I think what you're doing, or I know what you're doing because of the success, has really come through. And this has evolved now. You're working with your sons into this Paddock Speed Shop TV show. So tell me how this all came about. Well, I think the, the germ of the idea for this was a few years ago at this event in Goodwood where you've got all these beautiful classic cars. And I was wandering around the paddock area and I was starting to feel young in the paddock. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> I, 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 I hear you, my friend. <laughs> yeah. You know, you walk around the uh, some of these yeah. concourse fields and you go, okay, I'm in my crowd. Yeah. Like I just came back from Pebble. But then you go to Cars and Coffees and sometimes it's like, Oh, man, I'm starting to see a lot more young people, which is good because they're coming into the trade, but you do feel a little bit uh, out of age. Yeah, well, this is it. And I just thought, you know what? We've got to do something that really encourages a next generation. The entire media seems to be hardwired into telling a a 17, 18-year-old, don't drive, get an app, call a you know, a Lyft or an Uber or, a you know, yeah. or, you know, all these various different ideas are throwing at us about different ways of propelling cars. And I just thought, you know, if we're not careful, our entire industry could very easily just die without anybody really noticing, you know. And I thought that's why we need to do something next gen. Now, obviously, I'm very fortunate. I've got two lovely, healthy boys currently aged 20 and 24. Perfect. But in fact, the youngest is 21 next week. And we were, it was just as the pandemic hit and Ethan, the oldest, was finishing his final dissertation for his degree and was in his flat for, you know, nine weeks on his own in lockdown and we'd talk every day. But previous to that, the journeys up and down, which was a three-hour car journey from home to his place, we'd tend to be sitting in the car and we'd talk about which programs we'd watched and there's this plethora of car resto shows we'd always get on the subject of these and which ones were cool which one but being you know the fact that we always had a project on the go in the garage you know ethan passed his test in an mgb in 1973 mg nice harvey had a morris minor as his first car you know so they were very much into the classics and into you know actually working on them um and uh, ethan's sort of plan for his career was suddenly you know, massively on hold. And he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, Dad. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And he said, well, the only thing I really enjoy doing is working on my car and classic cars. So we just sort of, we were talking about these shows and we said, you know what, let's do a show, (laughs) as you do. So we thought, let's find a little uni, let's build. We'd always talked about, you know, the boys having our own little speed shop and doing custom builds and having some fun. And um, so we thought, right, let's just do this. And let's make a show without any interference from a network of telling us we want it like this one, we want it like that one. You know, the the show that we felt was the coolest at the time was Goblin Works Garage, which I believe did reasonably well in the States for an English show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of younger and cooler. But, you know, those guys, they're not young. They, but compared to the other sh- presenters right. in this sphere, right. they are young. So we thought we've got to do something that attracts a young generation that, so they can see themselves doing these cars. And, and in turn also, you know, they, that generation don't watch television. They look at stuff online or on screens. So it kind of ticked every box. It's dragging a generation that aren't necessarily compelled to watch TV mm-hmm. into both watching television 
and building cars and seeing that, hey, you know, I can do this. So within this, there was a few things we wanted to address. And obviously we wanted to, Ethan wanted to build classic cars that you could use every day. So the point was restoring and resto modding cars for his generation where they had good brakes, they had a bit more power, and not just because everyone wants to go fast, because a, a modern classic car on a fast motorway or, or a road is too slow for modern traffic. <laughs> right, it's going to be swallowed up by a Honda Accord. <laughs> he wanted to make it drive like a modern car, and therefore easier to live with, easier to, to, to use as a daily. And that was the one concept. The other was they just saw a beauty in the cars that, even, you know, for my generation, we love, you know, all the old cars, but there were some very ordinary cars around when, when I was, say, their age that your dad had and this, that, and the other, and they were just shopping cars, yeah. no interest. And they saw them and go, wow, look at that, sure. because they weren't just homogenized design that modern cars are. So they were seeing a beauty in these classics that our generation maybe wasn't seeing yet. So there was a lot of of stuff going on and then so we started talking to a few people i knew through the magazine and got some sponsors on board because there was very much everybody wanted to embrace this next generation from tool companies wanting to them to pick up a spanner and learn how to use it to oil companies you know adopting a very much cradle to grave you know if you're with our brand you're going to tip our oil you know right. in your car when you're you know when you're when you're when you've got your son's car first car so so we picked up some fantastic sponsorship, but more to the point, my business partner, Christopher Donnell and myself, we dug deep and begged and borrowed and scraped and blagged to, to make this show independent. You know, my dear departed mentor in film was the late, great Elliot Kastner, and he always said, put the money on the screen. So it was everything we did was about creating great television. So we shooting with a, you know, with a, a proper feature film crew they're a very small version but they are features guys they're not youtube guys um with proper kit proper sound we built the paddock speed shot which is a fantastic place um and we we selected so the series one is four cars you know it's not a car and f it's four cars being properly thought out designed built and finished within an f within a series one of those is a hill climb car because we wanted to demonstrate to young people here's a very cheap way of getting into motorsport. So we were building the Morris into a hill climb car like everything else. That started as we'll soup up the A-Series engine and throw it uphill. That's now turned into a 300-horsepower mid-engine Cosworth Ford. On a, <laughs> you know, oh, my. It's a, proper, it's a proper build. That in itself put us back in our schedule because these things take time, yeah. which a lot of shows never reflect as well. So one of my readers, and we were at an art launch for a very cool artist in London called Ray Rossi, um, who is, did all the Sex Pistols artwork back in the day, posters, and, and it's this fantastic art. So we were at his launch, and one of my readers was there who, you know, subscribers have become a bit of a pal. And he turned around and he said... Um, so how's the car going? How's the show going? I said, well, you know, we're a bit behind the curve, so we probably won't be racing this this season like we wanted to. I said, well, why don't you race my Cobra? Let's race Goodwood twice. Oh, my. Why don't you race my Cobra at Goodwood? Wow. And we went, okay. Yeah. What are you drinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we end up with this white, genuine, 
AC Cobra 216, one of the first 75 built. Wow. And he's just drops this off and entrusts it to us to go racing. So now we have a 20-year-old racing a Cobra. Whoa. And we were hoping to race that here today, but we actually raced two weeks ago at the Silverstone Festival, which is a huge, huge club. And, um, but, you know, and this in itself, it's all created great television because you know, it's all very well going, with, oh, great, here's a car. You've now got to go through the process of becoming the racing driver. Yeah. So Harvey had to get his license, take his odds test, which we did at Castle Coombe Circuit, where I used to instruct years ago. They were very helpful. And then we had to get up to race national level in time for Silverstone. So we've got the car entered. We've got all our sponsors. We've got everything going. But Harvey still hasn't got a license that allows him on the grid. So we had to go racing, and we haven't got a racing car. So we then borrowed from one of our, our tire sponsors, Nankang, sponsor this little series called the City Car Cup, which is those little Citroen C1 City cars, Peugeot 107s, Toyota Rigo. Sure. And there's about 40 of these things on the grid, like bumblebee, you know, like wasps buzzing around yeah, you. Yeah. And they lent us a car, and we went racing. Wow. Um, so for the last eight, ten weeks, we've done nothing but race to get signatures on his license. And the week before, we were at Brands Hatch the week before Silverstone doing his final race to get his signature on the on the Saturday. And then Sunday's two races, he was able to race and wow. not just finish the event because that was the important thing, finish. You don't get a signature if you don't finish. Right. So, so it's been a it's been a fantastic roller coaster, but it's been a brilliant piece of television where we've really gone down and we've gone grassroots entry level racing to end up racing a million dollar Cobra at Silverstone, wow. where he turns up on the grid against some serious competition in a car that was frankly massively outgunned because it's a two sixty and most of the racing ones are at least 289s. So he's 100 horsepower down on everybody. But on a 60-car grid, he qualified 50-ish in the 50s, and he was up to position 42 by the time the, the race the race finished under a red flag, under red flags and E-type that buried itself in the wall. But Harvey had just overtaken that E-type several laps earlier yeah. before his head gasket gave way and he blew the engine and oh. he went out literally in a massive cloud of smoke, wow. which at the end of the day, if we were writing a script for television, yeah. is exactly what we'd have written. So, you know, yeah. you'll be able to watch that in the first three episodes of the Paddock Speed Shop. But it's real. It's awesome. All the jeopardy, everything was in there with these young guys taking, a, you know, a literally a million-dollar car and going racing wow. as, as total novices, all of them, uh, you know, amongst the big boys. And it was just fabulous experience. And that's the kind of thing that the Paddock Speed Shop is bringing to the airwaves. Wow. And, and while they're doing that, they're building genuine builds that they're learning to do the work on. When they need help, they get somebody in. So, you know, it's a very different approach to the restoration shows. And um, so we've been picked up by a, a Los Angeles company as our distributor sales company. So within the next uh, few weeks, I'm delivering them the first three episodes finished so they can really see what the show is. And at that point, they can go and do their job and get us our airtime slots. And, um, and we think it's going to be great because it's just 
it's a drama about cars. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that's it's not a resto show. You know, it's like watching a drama series. Only it's all real. Yeah. But it, it's been so much fun, and we've been reporting on it in the magazine. But it has meant the magazine's taken a little bit of a back seat over the last few months just to get us where we needed to be. But you know, we're you know we're our issue twenty two is about to drop, and uh, issue twenty three is sort of on the you know in the process as well. The series is looking great, and you know we're just having an absolutely fantastic time. And you know it's a shame we're not racing here at Revival today, but I think we'll be here next year. Yeah, I and think the so. Will be competitive. <laughs> I I think so. Well, what a story! Oh my God, this is really yeah. really incredible. Where can viewers on this side of the pond eventually find your show and watch it? Do we know that yet? I don't know yet. I mean, I've, I've, I I I kind of know, but I'm not able to say yet because there's a few there's a few interested parties that um, that have got to sign off on things. So, and we're we're in the process of selecting the best one for us. And that for me is not about the money. It's about how they work with us and our sponsors right. to to promote it and, and create, you know. But with our two presenters, Ethan and Lucy, I mean, they are absolute TV naturals. They've been working to camera here at Goodwood all day today. They're brilliant. And I mean, I think they're, they're, the, they're, the, they're the petrol head stars of the future for sure. Yeah. Um, and then Harvey's got a very promising career. He's a very, very talented. You know, I'd like to take credit for that <laughs> as his dad. Sure. But, you know, he is a talented young driver and he's got a very level head and he's been invited to drive some very, very interesting cars after our escapade wow. at Silverstone. Wow. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot to show and, you know, we'll be bringing all this through this through the TV show and, and having these experiences shared, you know, in glorious Technicolor on a full, on a big screen rather than on someone's phone on social media, you know. Yeah, very different approach, and I'm excited for you guys. It sounds spectacular. And, of course, people can go to your website. I'll put a link on your show notes page. Easy, easy to find, Paddock Life Magazine, yeah. uh, to subscribe, yeah. which most definitely they should, because what you're publishing is absolutely uh, spectacular. Thank you very much. I always like to ask about special vehicles in people's lives. And there's a uh, – I know you were really addicted to supercars in the past, and then you kind of evolved into kind of the stuff <laughs> yeah. you're doing today. But is there one – vehicle in your lifespan that stands out that you'd like to share yeah i mean it has to be my all-time favorite car which is a lamborghini mura oh okay yeah <laughs> uh, car i fell in love with watching the italian job as a kid still brings a tear to my eye that opening sequence and i just think it's the prettiest car ever built and this summer i was actually lucky enough to not just drive one, but spend some proper time. And that's in issue 22 of Paddock Life. And it, it really was that case of, do you really want to meet your heroes? You know, in case they disappoint, it didn't disappoint. Just a fantastic experience, just the best. Yeah. So that's my number one favorite car. And that's, you know, if there was one car I could have, it would be that. Yeah, those are beautiful. those are spectacular. Years ago, I got to drive a guy's uh, Mira. He had just finished restoring it, did a beautiful job. It was that lime green color. And, yeah, that's uh, the color of the one I drove. Yeah. yeah, he came by and said, hey, uh, check this out. And I said, can we go for a ride? And, you know, instead of saying yes, he goes, well, why don't you just drive it? And I'm like, what? And uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it was something else. And and you talk about meeting your heroes. A lot of times you get in an old classic car and you're really disappointed. And you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Cars today are so good. I mean, you know, they just are so good. But that car, oh yeah, uh, I got goosebumps on my arms talking about it. It's uh, yeah, quite spectacular. Now, I like to play a little game. I like to be a car psychologist with my guests. I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here. Should be an interesting place, I think. If you were reincarnated pun intended, manifest as a vehicle. Not what you want to be, though. How you perceive the man in the mirror as a vehicle, what would you be? But the most important part of this question is the why. Now, I've been thinking about this and thinking about it and then not thinking about it and then trying to think. And I think it would, for me, I think I'd be my number three favorite car, which is a Lancia Stratus. Oh, okay. And why is that? Well, I just think it's... uh, it's not the most obvious of supercars, even you know, from even from aesthetics, from everything. But it was designed for a purpose, and it kind of does it really well. So it gets a job done. It was a lot of fun. It's very unique. It has a lot of quirks. I remember when I first drove the one in in the hills of Biella, how it kind of wouldn't go round bends unless you drove it like a complete hooligan and steered with the back wheels. <laughs> You know, so it was a bit awkward. It didn't really want to do what you wanted it to. But when you convinced it, it was a good idea. It was all in. And I think that's probably a bit like me. If I, if you convince me it's a good idea, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then well, I am a no compromise then. So. I, I think it sounds cool. So a little fun, a little unique, a little quirky, and maybe a little ornery. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I like it. Nice answer to that. I like it when people put some thought to that. You know, I love to talk about books here. Obviously, reading and your magazine is a great way to explore and have fun with cars and things. Uh, However, is is there a book out there that you really would like to share with others and suggest they open and read? Oh, that's actually, yes. Right. Cool. I mean, we, we review a lot of books on the show uh, yeah, here, on, yeah. the, on the magazine. I know. We get sent loads, and they're lovely. And I love to read, and I've got this beautiful library in the speed shop with all these books on. But there's one book recently that reading it, I was literally crying with laughter. And it was written by a dear friend of mine, Henry Cole, who does motorbike show and various shows on television. And it's his book, his first book, and it's a biker's life for me, and it's Henry's life story, and it is, it's very funny, it's very honest, it's true, it's sad, it's like, you know, the stuff that guy's done, yeah. and the edge he's lived on, it, it's a great read, uh, he, he, he'd be spilling his tea now if he's, if he's listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, but it is genuinely a fantastic read. I, t- I said my one of our camera team, we were talking about this last week, uh-huh. and I said for his long drive home, he wanted an audio, audio book, and I said download Henry's book. It's really good, um, and it was just a very enjoyable read. You know, I've got that book uh, in my library, and I'd love for you to make an introduction because I'd like to have him on the show and, and talk to him because I agree with you. He would, I think he'd be a hoot. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll hook that up. I'll, I'll drop him a message for All you. All right. That sounds great. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah, how biker's life for me. Absolutely spectacular. Yeah. So for a guy who's gone on a lot of very cool drives, I want to send you on an ultimate drive. And today, I'm going to park any garage, 
any garage. I'm going to park any car in front of your garage that you would like. You can take it anywhere. But here's the key. Since cars are really all about bringing people together, you can take anybody with you as a co-pilot or let them drive. Even somebody who's no longer with us, who's from the past. What does the ultimate drive look like for you? The Stelvio Pass. Okay. Nice place. The Italian job. Yeah. And I think the car I would probably take, if it wasn't so bloody noisy, <laughs> so I could talk to the person with me, would be a Ford GT, original GT40. Yeah. Um, or a Healy 3 liter. And the reason for that would be um, the person I would take with me is my, my father, who I lost earlier this year. Oh, I'm sorry. And his first job was... Thank you very much. I'm, I'm just getting over that. But he was he's the reason I am the petrol head I am. Um, his first job was programming colors for Austin Healy's. Wow. And, he, and his color, and his first day at work, when he turned up to get a job at the Austin, as they called it then, and he turned up in a swallow Duretti with holes in the floor, and, um, and someone was chatting about his car in a car park. I said, why are you here? Oh, my, my mom sent me up for a job. He'd just come out of his national service RAF, and uh, and they said, "Come with me, sit down here, program colours for this." And his first day, his first colour was the metallic blue over cream. That was his car. So I never got to drive with my dad in that car. Yeah. So that would be great. Uh, you know, when I had all the supercars, Dad used to love them. We used to come track days with us. So I'd just love to have been able to take. And again, the reason for the GT40 is that's actually my my second favorite car, but it's my second favorite car because when I was a kid, dad bought me a little model of a GT40. It was white with a blue stripe down, and you used to feed this, you used to cut this cardboard, um, you know, programming card, and it fed through the back, and it cut little slots in it that made the car move. It turned, you know, as it fed it through, it turned the wheels. Yeah. So you had to program this to drive a little track. And we spent hours and hours in the lounge oh, nice. doing this with, with this, what we call the computer car. And it was a GT40. So I think to drive, you know, an epic drive like the Stelvio Pass in something as visceral as a GT40 with my dad yeah. would just be awesome. Well, uh, that would be quite spectacular. You know, here's the idea I have for you is you can go down the pass in the Healy. And then when you get to the bottom, I'll have the GT40 waiting for you and your dad, and you can take that back up the hill. Um, we'll put like some headsets on you so you can <laughs> yeah, hear each other yeah. and hear each other screaming and laughing. But, you know, and I'm, my condolences for your loss. I lost my dad about six years ago, and he's the one that got me into cars when I was five years old. He bought, and you'll love this, he bought a 49 MGTC. And so that's what really started it for me, sitting in that little car, feeling like a much bigger boy than I was because of those low-cut doors. I could actually put my arm out the door on, that I couldn't do in a bigger U.S. car, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, really started for me. So that would be a quite a spectacular, spectacular drive. I love it. Yeah. I love everything about it. You've taken us on a wonderful ride today here, Goodwood. I mean, what fun we're having today. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some parting words of wisdom or advice when it comes to having fun in life? Because you certainly have figured that out. Um, well, I try not to do anything that I try not to work with people that, you know, I'm being, uh, I'm trying to phrase this. I try and work with people I like. Yeah. have got the same outlook and vibe as us. So our yeah. entire crew is like a big family. And I think, you know, without sounding like Vin Diesel, that's, that's one of the, the keys to it. Just try and do what you enjoy. If you enjoy what you're doing, you never really work a day in your life, do yeah. you? Yeah. And, and that's it. Just have some fun. But I think the most important thing 
we've all got to see what we can all do to make sure as we encourage the new generation to be the petrol heads that we are. Otherwise, this is going to become ancient history very quickly, you know. Yeah. There's, there's some very, very cool sustainable fuels being developed. In fact, we run the Cobra on a, on a on P1 sustainable fuel at Goodwood, uh, at Silverstone. So, you know, these are the answers. It's not necessarily electric. There is sustainable fuel. And I think as long as we have a generation that wants to sustain the internal combustion motor car, then the cars that we see as works of art will remain just that, but we'll still be able to drive them on our roads. And I think that is the mission all us petrol heads need to have in the front of our minds right now. If we if we sit back and get complacent, we're going to suddenly wake up and there'll be no petrol to buy. There are too many regulations for us to drive our cars. So, you know, let's encourage a new generation. Let's get them in the fight. And suck, squeeze, bang, blow. <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> I love it. Well said, well said. How can people learn more about Paddock Life magazine and upcoming Paddock Speed Shop? But, uh, you can obviously subscribe to the magazine on our on our website, paddock-life.com. Uh, likewise, we have a website up for the Paddock Speed Shop, which is paddock-speed shop, which shows we don't update these things as much as we should, um, but we've got a few behind-the-scenes reels, and we're working with with Motul, big oil company, um, uh, you know, and everybody from Nankang Tires, K&N Filters. So we have a great network, not to mention our insurance partners have been brilliant to us because they've insured the youngsters in their early 20s that, you know, they can drive the Cobras and Muras on the road for the show, which is great, uh, which is a challenge. And they're working towards next gen as well. So, you know, when as we're finishing these episodes and our distributors start getting the channels selected, we have a fantastic network of partners that will use all their social channels to tell you, you know, when to tune in, what day, and, you know, let's hope we can build the viewership of, of, of Paddock Speed Shop into what it should be and, and create, you know, create a next generation of petrol heads. And uh, let's hope that, you know, in the not-too-distance, you've got Ethan and Lucy on the show talking about their success. That would be a very nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to have him on the show. It'd be great. So uh, again, listeners, I'll put all these links on Craig's show notes page and the Cars Yow website, but these guys are easy to find. PaddockLife.com, Paddock Speed Shop. Check them out. Can't wait for the show. And I want to do a big shout out to our mutual friend who got us together today, and he's here at Goodwood. He is. Paul Ward. So very yeah, cool. Paul. Thank you, Paul, for doing that today. Paul and I have been friends for 20, 30 years. Wow. Um, he's a, an award-winning fashion photographer, but he's a petrol head. So he... If you want to see his work, get a copy of Paddock Life because he's all over it, along with other photographers, John Breen, uh, some of the guys, uh, Nick, um, Rick from um, Sprite. There's there's loads of really cool photographers that all contribute to Paddock Life, um, and they send me fantastic pictures, which is what enables us to, to produce such a beautiful magazine. Absolutely. Listeners, you want this in your in your life. I guarantee you paddock life sitting on your coffee table, but better yet in your lap and enjoying it. So there you go. Craig, thanks for taking a little pit stop with me today here at Goodwood. What fun we're all having. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. This has been great. It's been a pleasure. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe. 
that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!